You are listening to The 1% Christian, the daily Bible study where we get together for 1% of our day. We study God's Word, and then we head out to the remaining 99% to do something amazing with this life that God's given us. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio with Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. I invite you to check us out at soh.church. While you're there, download our free mobile app. There's a digital Bible on there. There's all of our teachings, a great online community that you can be a part of. And if you're listening anywhere where you get your podcasts, like, share, subscribe, turn on your notifications. Don't miss anything as we study through the Gospels. And uh, we're going to keep on going. We are in Matthew chapter 21 today. And what did we study yesterday? We studied the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. So we are technically in the final week of Jesus's ministry here. It's going to take uh, a few chapters, about eight, I believe, uh, to get through it. But this is the final week here, and we are seeing everything that Jesus has been up to in terms of spreading the kingdom, spreading the good news, you know, pouring into his disciples, healing the sick, cleansing the lepers, silencing the religious leaders. All of this comes to this moment where Jesus walks into Jerusalem in victory. And yesterday we talked about how did he come in in victory, the king of kings. Back then, what would happen is a king who was looking to conquer a city would ride on a war horse and be surrounded by soldiers with swords. But this wasn't Jesus, right? It was prophesied in Zechariah that the Messiah would enter into the holy city on the back of a beast of burden. And we know that to be the donkey, and we studied that yesterday. So Jesus enters in on a donkey, and when a king would ride a donkey, it would be first, it would be a sign of peace, but also what? A sign of humility, a sign of service. That is what a donkey represents in all of Scripture. And we have now seen over the past few chapters Jesus really trying to get the point across to his disciples and the crowds that he did not come to what? Be served, but to serve. And that was ultimately always his answer when somebody wanted to know who was the greatest, right? Jesus said, if you want to be first, be last. Some some who are first will be last, and some who are last, and those who are last will be first. It's because the culture that they were in, they basically pointed to things like material wealth and possessions and influence and the admiration of others as somehow signs of God's favor. But Jesus is sharing with them, hey, if you want to be the greatest, be the biggest server among all. And he showed us that every single step of the way, and no more so than what we are about to witness as he goes into this final week and ultimately sacrifices his life, allowing himself to be arrested and humiliated and brought to the cross we took a couple of minutes last few days right before the holiday, and we uh, reflected on that because Jesus stopped along the road, if you remember, and told the disciples exactly what would happen to him 
And uh, we didn't get much of a response out of them. Actually, the only response that we had gotten, you remember, James and John's mom asked <laughs> for her sons to be the greatest. So safe to say that they weren't quite getting it, and that's okay because sometimes we don't fully get it uh, as well. So Jesus, on the back of this cult, goes into the holy city, and he's not surrounded by soldiers. He's not on a war horse. He is... Entering in. And uh, we studied this in John, right? Obviously, all the Gospels account for this. We call it Palm Sunday in our tradition. But something to point out is during this time, I forget what the numbers are. I'd have to go back and listen to the episode and go back to my notes. But ultimately, you have everybody going to the temple for Passover, and they're all carrying their lambs. And... They're carrying their lambs for sacrifice and slaughter. But we know Jesus, who is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus is there. And he is the ultimate lamb, the perfect lamb to be slain. And that's just a crazy visual, isn't it? All these lambs. And and there would be so many lambs that would be slaughtered that actually the blood would run from the temple into the water. And here we are, Jesus, the final sacrifice. So Jesus coming in, we know he's got a crowd with him and he's got a crowd waiting for him. And we know through tradition and through scripture that uh, they are cheering something loud. Let's just read. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 21, starting with verse 8. It says, A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees. And spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowd answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So this large crowd in the entire city is stirred. So when we say the entire city, that means obviously the people. It means the Roman soldiers and the Roman rulers that were essentially over that city. And then all of the religious leaders and everybody in uh, from the outskirts of the temple to the Holy of Holies, to the highest of priests, they were stirred. And the crowd, it says, they spread their cloaks on the road. And they cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road and waved them. Let's look at these two things here. Spreading cloaks on the road, that was a sign of kingship. Back in Second Kings, when the King Jehu was named to his position. And in all of Nor'eastern culture, this was a symbolization of you acknowledging that someone was a king. So they were acknowledging Jesus as a king. They were waiting for a new king. And if you go all the way back to the time of Samuel, Israel did not necessarily want God to be their king. And that was a big problem. God, of course, gave them what they wanted and allowed Samuel to first crown Saul and then ultimately to crown King David. And it's through David's lineage that we know that the Messiah comes. That was a promise 
to David. God told King David, I'm not going to let you build my temple, but I am going to bless you through your lineage. And we know from a previous study that Jesus had his lineage through David, both through Mary, through the line of Nathan, and through Joseph, who was through the line of Solomon, both David's sons. So we'll get to what they were shouting here in a second, but let's just acknowledge that they're spreading their cloaks on the ground and they are calling him king. But was he the king that they were looking for? And then the crowds cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And we look back in the history of Israel as well from some of the ancient texts and like the Maccabees, And we see that when they won a great victory, they would cut palms as a sign of celebration, as a sign of honor, as a symbol of the victory itself. And they bestowed this upon Jesus. So not only were they calling him king, they were calling him victorious king. And you would do this when a victory had already happened or when a victory was inevitable. But was it the type of victory that they were looking for? And why do I keep asking these questions? It's because we all know that in the next few days following this, the same people that are spreading their cloaks, same people that are spreading the palms, would have somewhat of a change of heart. But then let's look at what they said. They said, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna is in Hebrew words that mean save us or save us now. So not only are they calling Jesus a victorious king, they're also calling him savior. And they're declaring him not only a savior, but the son of David. This is, you could say, the first time where people of this magnitude, right? They've always, the crowds have always tried to push him in this direction, And what would Jesus always tell them? Hey, it's not time. It's not time. He'd basically pick up and get out of here. Why? Because they always wanted to crown him as a physical king. And they're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us. Save us. And what are they wanting to be saved from? The political oppression of that time. They wanted another King David to come and to rule and to reign and to conquer with the sword. But what have we witnessed this past 21 chapters? Jesus didn't come to conquer with the sword. He didn't enter with the war horse. He entered with peace. So what we see here is, yes, they called him a king. Yes, they celebrated victory for a moment. Yes, they declared him as Savior and Messiah. So why do we see such a change of heart? It's because all of those things were not exactly what they wanted. He wasn't the kind of king that they ultimately were expecting. It wasn't the kind of victory that they thought they really needed. And understand, Jesus was not trying to be their physical king, the king of their land. Jesus came to be king of their hearts. 
He came to change them, not temporarily, not so they can just go on living their life. He wanted to change them just like he wants to change you and I from the inside out. He wanted to redefine what it really meant to have victory. Temporary victory? No. Victory over all things. Over all things. And we see what happens when our concept of success and victory doesn't line up with God's. We are easily deterred. They cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us, save us. Save us from what? Save them from their oppression. Save them from what ailed them physically. But what you've also learned up until this point is Jesus was much more than that. Victory in this life and the next. Victory to not only be free from their bondages and from their oppression, but also to have the power to do the things that he did and to also free others. And it's a little early in the game, although it shouldn't have been. We, we can easily Monday morning quarterback and look at the disciples and say, hey, you guys should be further along. But sometimes we can look in the mirror and say, you know what? I know I can. Hey, you should probably be further along, but it's all part of the journey. They were learning. And they would have to learn pretty quick because a week from now, what they would be dealing with was be Jesus being arrested and brought to the cross. And you know what? They would all bolt. They would all flee. But as we'll get into in these next couple months in the book of Acts, ultimately, they, to be called Christians or little Christs, that's what that word means, they would eventually have to do the things that Jesus would do. So, in essence, the mother of James and John got what she asked for. Now, I can't say that they're sitting at the right hand or the, or the left. Jesus couldn't even say at that time, how that would all work out. He yielded to the Father for those type of decisions, but we know that they walked the walk of Jesus, James being martyred, and John ultimately going through almost all of that first century all the way to the end of the age and beyond he survived, helping to build the church and to establish the new covenant here on earth and to spread the good news and honestly fulfill the great commission that we'll read once we get to Matthew 28. So here's how I want to end this as we're getting up on our 1%. We see the shift in the crowd who is obviously in a state of jubilation right now. They are celebrating the entrance of the king. And they're celebrating the image of a king that they thought was only going to take care of their physical needs, that was going to remove their personal hardships. But Jesus was offering a heck of a lot more. And he even says to his disciples in Scripture, it says, in this world you will have tribulation, but what? Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. There's going to be struggle. There's going to be people that try to hold you down and oppress you. Will we follow the lead of Jesus and be at peace? Doesn't mean you have to be a doormat for people. But for Jesus, 
again, whether they were scoffing at him, which I'm sure many in the crowd were, whether they were laughing at him, where I'm sure some of the people in the crowd were, or if they were declaring him king, he knew that all of that would be very short-lived. And he knew what he would have to go through. But he kept going. And he didn't let the shallow applause of the crowd or the scoffing of those who really didn't understand who he was, he didn't let any of that stop him. And that's my prayer for you and me, is that we would want God for who he is and not just to make things easy on us physically. Don't get me wrong. Look, look, Jesus said it himself, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When you follow him for real, doesn't mean you're not going to have challenges in your life, but he is going to put a burden on you that is light. He is going to give you strength like you never had before. Because you're going to go to places that you can never get to on your own, and that's the trade-off there. Will you run into some difficulty? For sure. You want to know why? Because you're going to be pushed to your limit. But at the end of what you can do begins the infinite possibility of everything that God can do. And if you don't push the limits of who you think you are, then you'll never discover who God created you to be. Because where you're weak, he is strong. So push through these crowds. And for those of us who are part of the crowd here on earth that is following Jesus, let's love him for who he is. He will fulfill all of our needs. He will. He will. He healed the sick. He let the blind see. He healed the mute and allowed them to talk. He forgave sinners and tax collectors. He forgave the people that were at the foot of the cross divvying up his stuff. His grace and his power and his mercy have no limits. And that means that you and I aren't held back by the things that are oppressing us either. But we are meant to follow him through, no matter what the road is, to victory. He is the true king, the king of kings. Not just king of our cities, but king of our hearts. King of all. All of creation. Real victory. Victory that can't be taken away. By even the most dire of circumstances, and boy, is he a savior. So when we cry out, Hosanna, we do so knowing that he not only saves us from our struggles, but our eternal soul is his. And scripture tells us that no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor mind has ever even fathomed the things that are in store for those who love the Lord. So I hope that that fills you with hope today. And when we think about Palm Sunday, if we think about Jesus walking through and all those who 
We're kind of cheering and celebrating for him conditionally. We make a decision in our hearts not to love God conditionally, but to love him as close as we can to the way he loves us, and that's unconditionally. Knowing that like Jesus going into Jerusalem, there may be some challenges ahead, but being willing to follow him through because of what? Remember what we said? He was willing to go because he knew the victory beyond the struggle. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would know that there is victory beyond your struggle. Amen. We pray that in Jesus' mighty name. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio, Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. Check us out at soh.church. You're listening to The 1% Christian, the daily Bible study where we get together for 1% of our day. And we go out and do something amazing for Christ's sake. Have um, an amazing day today. We'll continue with Matthew 21 tomorrow.